0: hello everybody welcome to the afternoon here on osbiz we kick off the pm as usual with uh, the call 10 stocks uh, that you've sent in and uh, i put them to uh two experts our expert panel we do it all live here from our barangaroo studios all in an hour so i love this show because it's fast and furious and really informative and uh, great to have david lane aboard with us from uh, from Ord minute in uh, in brisbane david good to see you
2: good um, to be here thank you
0: um now before the april roller coaster you had hair um <laughs> <laughs> how are you how you coping with the with the markets what's the read on it i looked at Looked at the close on on Wall Street overnight and thought, "Oh, that's not too bad, up sixty two points. <laughs> a bit of a flat night." Then I looked and saw a six hundred point trading range, and thought, "Yep, Flame in hell, it is just wild oh, out there, isn't it?"
2: It certainly is. Yeah, the volatility is extreme, and and certainly every every night at the moment when we're looking at the US, it's uh, yeah, it's it's quite scary at times. Um, it. it to some extent ties in with where our strategist has been. Um, back in November, he said that the Federal Reserve was well behind the curve uh, and needed to raise rates a lot earlier uh, and that the US market was overvalued. So the markets have taken a fair, fair bit of time to start to, to realise it uh, and, and even over the last yeah. few days when we've seen the reaction to China. uh, It's probably been a little bit delayed. Um, So yes, it's it's tough when you're looking at those daily movements. But to be honest, um, many of our clients and advisors are are starting to look at whether or not they they see it as a buying opportunity because uh, we've been holding a a bit more cash than we'd normally be holding. Um, Does
0: your strategist think Australia is in the same boat?
2: Uh, no actually thinks that, that Australia is in a better position and that right. the um, you know, Reserve Bank well until yesterday I suppose uh, had a better hold on on inflation mm-hmm. uh, certainly thinks that it's likely now that we will get that that early rate rise uh, at the, the meeting uh, next week. but in terms of the relative valuations the Australian market is, is better value uh, mm-hmm. and also our economy is is holding up relatively well compared to yep. the us and, and really most other economies around the world
0: so are you starting to nibble at some australian stocks and see this as a buying opportunity too
2: Yeah, starting to yeah um obviously you know, when we do see global m- movements it's difficult to try and pick the bottom of the market uh you're never going to get that right but certainly starting to see some value and, and definitely some of the stocks that we'll talk about today, are, you know, are showing some of that value. And, and for long term investors who are looking to buy for income and looking to buy for, for uh, earnings growth, there's a lot of opportunities out there at, at present.
0: OK, all right. That's fascinating. Um, speaking of the stocks we're going to take a look at today um, in the first half hour, we're going to be taking a look at uh, SiteMinder. Uh, CSL, Midway, EML Payments, uh, and TPG Telecom. So we've got big and small stocks. Uh, we've got darlings of the market and some dogs of the market as well. So we've got a great cross-section today throughout the whole hour, of 10 stocks, which is fabulous. Uh, our other expert on the panel, of course, is our favourite West Australian, Carl Kapilinga from uh, <laughs> Think Markets. He's a bit... It was a bit slow dialing in today. Oh, I thought he could still be narky with me after um, last weekend's uh, football result, but...
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's right. it I, been... to... <laughs> I was thinking about whether I was going to come on or not, because I just <laughs> didn't, want to, I didn't want to go through all the, the you know, the, the, the pomp and pageantry uh, over that yeah, win. all right. No. Well, well, people, we'll, we'll... have no idea what we're talking about, of course, but your team thrashed my team yeah, on yeah. the weekend, so uh, we... uh, I was just... Uh, Late we from, an, from another engagement.
0: We, we, so, we mean, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go and, <laughs> we did need the result. Uh, but you just come back from a week off. Every time you would go away, the market crashes. Uh, can you That's give it. us a bit better warning next time before you go away so we could just all go to cash? Um, well, I've been talking to David yeah. about the volatility in markets at the moment. You've come back fresh from a week away. What are your charts telling you about the American market and our market? Uh, just big top line stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, there's, there's still plenty of divergence in that they look so much worse than we do right now. So right. if you look at, say, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, and the Russell 2000 is one, which I think is sort of an underrated index. So that's your uh, 2,000 uh, smaller capitalization stocks, uh, all technical breakdowns. And so strictly talking about the technicals here, right. they have broken through key levels. So quite concerning. Having said that, Koshy, the old plunge protection team tends to do a little bit of work when things look the worst. So I wouldn't say just um, count that out yet. I think we're in much better shape. We haven't broken any of those key levels. The trends are still intact. So again, cautiously optimistic. So the message I'm giving clients is we've been uh, fairly, we've had fairly high cash levels for a few months now, but we're really focusing on really specific sectors. So you know a lot of the resource companies that we've been looking at, um, and no, we've had a tough week, let me tell you, yeah. but, you know, the, the tough week um, is only you know, a small pullback from some of the great gains that we've seen uh, in that time. So very strategic allocations, but high cash levels just in case.
0: Oh, so you're still going into resources, some of the miners, seeing well, this we, as an Yeah, opportunity. look, you know, Minres yeah. smashed, BHP smashed, Rio smashed.
1: Yeah, look, I think you've got to look at the bigger picture and and still look at those underlying trends and they're still very, very strong. And, you know, events like this, I think they give you pullbacks within that trend. And assuming we then see the right things happening on the charts, we're we're happy to put that money back in. Okay, fascinating.
0: All right, let's uh, take a look at one of those uh, miners and see if it uh, fits the camp. Um, um, Really popular uh, stock here that's followed on Ausbiz and the call, of course, Fortescue Metals out this morning, upgrading its full year uh, shipment uh, guidance um, to a potential 188 million tons, uh, amended its capex guidance to around three billion US dollars. Company saw a slight increase in its expenses per wet tonne, uh, and it looks ahead to its iron bridge project, expecting to produce 22 million tons of magnetite annually. Shares bumping up into the green this morning, up five percent, and to just over twenty-one dollars. Um, Carl, what did you think of the uh, of the update, and also the stock at these levels?
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, this, obviously the, the headline was uh, their increase, our expected increase in production, uh, and then you sort of had to dig a little and find the fact that costs are going up as well. So you've got to if you are going to announce something bad, always try to announce it with something good, uh, and make a bigger deal out of the something good. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, slight increase in costs, you know, that we were expecting sort of 1550 uh, per tonne. Now we're sort of 1675 to 16. But it, I think the trend is the concerning thing there. So it has been trending higher year on year for, for a few years now. Having said that, you know, 15, 16 bucks a tonne when you're getting about 100 and 100 to $105 a ton is still pretty good money. And that's the message here, I think for Fortescue shareholders. So um, you see the chart there, look, it's fairly volatile. And that 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 is largely uh, based upon the flow of the underlying iron ore price. And I've said I think the last time I was on uh, about a month ago, I said, look, stick stick with Fortescue. I I can't I don't think it's a screaming buy in terms of the valuation of the chart. But I definitely think there's enough to stick with, uh, especially if you're a yield investor, because that's going to be, you know, ten nine. you know, even if it even if it drops off a little bit over the next couple of years, it's still going to be high single digits, fully frank So, uh, it'll it'll certainly suit that yield, yield hungry investor. Well, it's, it is. I mean, it would, like, like I said, sixteen bucks a ton hundred and five dollars a ton. Now the question is, where is iron? Where are iron ore prices going to be in the future? And hey, look, I'm pretty good at prognosticating, Koshi, but you know, I mean, that's a that's a tough one. But I, I do think they will surprise to the upside. And we've got all these um, horrible things happening in China at the moment. But you know, the other flip side of that is the Chinese government. You know, they, they'll respond to that. Uh, they'll like they like to keep that economy going and stimulating and uh, stimulated. And that'll that'll be healthiest for Fortescue as well. So I'm going to stick with what I said. Not a screaming buy on the chart or the valuation, although it's a solid hold. It's a solid hold. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, David Lane, who would have ever thought a few years ago that our resource stocks will be doing uh, high digit, fully franked dividend yields that outperforming (laughs) the big four banks?
2: That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And in fact, I was just looking at our uh, our, uh, financial year 23 forecasts and interestingly Fortescue is currently trading on a a forecast PE ratio of 8.9 times and a forecast dividend yield of 8.9% uh which I I don't think I've ever seen a company trading at, at 9 times PE and, and 9 time uh, 9% dividend yield fully franked so yes yeah, certainly attractive from that point of view uh Agree with Carl, we've got a whole recommendation on the stock. Uh, Today's result was a a positive one. Uh, Their shipments were about 5% above our forecasts, and in line, the costs were actually in line with our our forecasts. Uh, The negative, I suppose, is that the Ironbridge project, which will be a a very big project, has already been pushed out another quarter. So there is a bit of a delay there, which will impact the the financial year 23 numbers, but uh, certainly a, a very good business. Uh, if you've got it in your portfolio, I'd be holding and, and enjoying that dividend yield. Yep. Um, probably not a buy at the moment. Just if we can, if we do see a little bit of a weakness in in either the iron ore price or the, the share price, that might be a time to look at adding. OK, all
0: right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at and uh, Tegan wants a view on SiteMinder, the only recently listed late last year, um, it's a hotel commerce platform that ho- helps hotels and accommodation providers to sell market uh, sell to the market, market themselves, manage, and grow the business. It, it's basically a platform that lets them put everything out on Booking.com and everything like that. Um, Tegan says. Uh, noted david lane is a fan of SiteMinder, wondering whether this is comparable to something like rea car sales or seek in terms of online platforms what would be his pick david uh
2: a, as the question uh says that yeah we are a fan of it uh have to admit that admit was involved in the float of the stock late last year so we we did get a a fee for the success of that float, um, but we still do have a buy recommendation on, on the stock. Uh, I think it's a it's a good stock and and does have leverage to the tourism uh, market and the the expansion of tourism around the world. Uh, as you said, they have uh, the the market in terms of independent hotels. So they've got about 33,000 uh, customers at the moment, around 150 different countries. So it is a a global business, they are hoping to uh, expand that that fairly significantly. So that's part of the reason that we we like the business is the the growth in their customer base, and they are starting to shift a little bit from their software as a service platform to uh, taking a, a a clip on their transactions, uh, right. and that now accounts for about 33% of their yeah. their business. Um, Comparing it to those other companies, it's, it is different because it is a, a software as a service platform rather than a, a, a retail platform. So not directly comparable to to REA and, and car sales, etc. cetera, uh, but certainly a, a very good business that's leveraged to the, the global tourism okay. market. Uh,
0: Carl, what do you think of the SiteBinder?
1: Well, yeah, like, I like the business and it's, this is where you need to be able to read a chart a little bit. So last time I was on, it was in December. It wasn't long after it, it had listed and it was sort of just trending down. I said, look, great company, uh, exciting business, huge potential, but just not sure about um, the trend. Uh, it's now around about four bucks. The trend looks even worse at worst, but I still think it's a great company. So it's one of those where I'll I'll just keep an eye on it. You know, I I, want to buy it at some stage. I want to tell my clients to buy at some stage, but until the price starts to turn around, I can't tell them to do that. So, and uh, here, here, this is the the key beauties in the eye of the beholder. So here, here I'm looking at the business and I love it. Like uh, David says, you know, about ninety five percent recurring revenues. It's been a stalwart through a pandemic, which you know crashed the entire travel industry. But these guys have, you know, look a little bit flat earnings last year, but back to earnings growth now. They are growing at thirty percent before the pandemic. No reason why I can't see they can't do that. Huge addressable market. Like tick, 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 tick but then the chart is just this major cross. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's it, that's all I can say. So it, look, I can't even call it a hold uh, on the basis that it looks like it's going to go uh, further down. Um, so uh, geez. I know for you, but keep it's it on no. your watch list. Yeah, there's so many things need to happen. So candles need to start to turn white. They're predominantly black. We need to see high peaks and high troughs. The peaks and troughs are all heading down. We need to see the moving average around. So many things need to happen, but you know, keep an eye on it. Okay.
0: All right, uh, Rainer wants a view, Carl, on uh, on CSL, the big uh, blood plasma business and vaccine business global, one of Australia, that group of great global um, health tech businesses. Um, Rainer says share price seems to uh, be improving. Uh, this obviously came from rain up probably at the end of last week rather than this week. Um, um, should I be buying um, and Carl, it beg, begs a question. If um, you were, you and David at the top of the show saying, you know, there are opportunities to start taking advantage of this pullback with, nibble away with, with great Australian stocks, would this be one of them?
1: Uh. Oh, like I think it's a great Australian stock, whether it's time to buy it now, I'm not so sure. I like uh, Rainer's style though. So Rainer's saying, well, yeah, uh, you know, the price is starting to go up. Something's going on, you know, the market is seeing something uh, in this one. So the only way the price can go up is if you've got more demand than supply. It's the oldest relationship in economics, yeah. right? In Economics 101, you know, Professor Pam Stubbs, Octagon Theatre at UWA there, Koshi, many, many years ago. <laughs> that was That was the first lecture. And you know it's something that I've taken with me all this time, is just understanding that you understand that you can't understand everything about the market. but the market does the research and if there is excess demand, because the money that's out there wants to be in. and here's the flip side. the people who, who own this stock already, they don't want to get out. Then prices are going to go up. So I would always suggest, if the first step, go check that chart. If you've got an uptrend, it's telling you that there's excess demand in the system, and that's that's a, that's a great tailwind to have for your investment. Um, this one, I think, it has got more, more work to do. Looking at the chart, I think if, if, if it can get, I think it's got. I think it. Um, okay, it's, it's 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 up a bit from its lows. 240 now 270 but I want to see it break through 280, break through and close right. above 280. And that's going to give me the confidence to say that the supply that's just been hanging <coughs> in the market around that 275, because you've got to understand that the market, yeah, supply and demand, but the market is still made up of, of algorithmic trading orders, right? So orders that are sitting at a level that some fun, clever fund manager thinks is, is the value they want to get out. It just sits there and sits there. And as we're coming up into that supply, we're taking a little bit more out each time. and the, the the whole idea of buying at a higher price, and it, it seems counterintuitive, but you are saying we have taken out that supply in the market. That supply is now gone, and what we're left is, left with is that excess demand we saw prior to that consolidation. That's what I'm waiting for. Close about two eighty. I'm I'm telling my clients to get into CSL. Okay, so uh, if you're in it, it's a hold at the moment. I think you can hold it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Okay, uh, David.
2: Yeah, we are like. CSL, it's a core portfolio stock for, for most of our uh, larger portfolios. It is a, obviously a very good business, it's global. Yeah. Uh, current prices, we've got an Accumulate recommendation on, on that. Uh, now, our Accumulate recommendation says that we anticipate upside of between five and 15 percent uh, and to look at buying on weakness. So that's probably what I'd be doing at the moment, given that we are in very volatile markets at present. Um, I, you know, probably have a similar view to Carl, but would probably prefer to be buying it below 280 or even below, you know, 260 or so. Uh, and yeah, keep an eye on the share price. If on days of weakness, we see it, uh, getting a little bit lower, well, are the times that you can look at adding to, uh, the position in the portfolio. Okay. All
0: right. David, Kayla wants a view on midway, the, uh, the big Victorian forestry uh, group in the um, export sales into Asia, into the wood fibre, uh, soft logs, hard timber residue. Um, Mm. Kayla's saying um, she would have thought uh, Midway would be doing better than current levels, given all the issues and the shortages stemming from the Russia-Ukraine war. You know, you talk to any builder and they say it's tough getting timber at the moment, all that sort of thing. Caleb uh, yep. wants to know is this flying under the radar uh,
2: not really I, I think the problem that uh, that Midway have is is really more of their uh, their end customers so a lot of the customers are in China uh, they earlier in the year we had um, power shortages and power rationing for the the Chinese factories as well as the, the shipping uh, issues that have been going on in the world so they've Midway have had trouble actually getting ships to take their pulp across to China. Uh, and then now we're in the situation where a significant pr- proportion of China is being shut down. So in the short term, again, we've got another impact on the end customer um, because Midway's pulp goes across there, gets processed in the, the factories in China. And then, as you say, in many cases, comes back to Australia or, or other parts of the world to be used in the in the building game. So it's really uh, probably a victim of the, the current um, supply chain issues that are going on around the world, and uh, yeah, it, it's a stock that the share price hasn't hasn't performed well. We've currently got a hold recommendation on them at present. Uh, think that it does have some upside, uh, about 37%. We've got a target price of a dollar 22 on it, but I would probably be saying there's better value in the market at present. Yeah. Uh, it does have a lot of risks that are outside of its control. So probably be, be either holding if you've got it in the portfolio or, or just waiting for another opportunity to buy in the future.
1: Uh, Carl? Yeah, I mean, look at the chart. It's just,
2: yeah.
1: uh, what's that? Top, uh, top left, bottom right. That's right. So that's the opposite of what I want. I want bottom left, top right. Uh, they've had a tough six months they are actually starting to get some traction there Um, but because as as david said that you had the huge power cuts and that's what crashed the iron ore price and hurt you know other parts of the australian market but a big impact on them there's a lot of substitutions david says so just the chinese just buying cheaper local products Uh, and and now we've got a bunch of other problems in china as well so i i feel that Um, whilst there is probably light at the end of the tunnel i think that light is getting pushed further back and it's probably an end of the year thing so let's come back and look at it at the end of the year and see how it's going until then based upon that i I can't even call it a hold. i'm not sure why you'd have this in your portfolio right now when we've probably got another six to nine months worth of pain so i'm going to go sell
0: okay all right sell on midway speaking of pain uh trevor wants a view on eml payments uh, Trevor says, this company is looking like a mess. Is it a potential turnaround story or should I just stay away? EML payments. Uh, Trevor, a mess is probably an understatement. Um, share price dropped 38% earlier this week on one day. I noticed it's up 1% today, but uh, that was a hell of a drop earlier in the week. And um, they gave a trading update. They had operational execution issues in Europe. Of course, this is the uh, payment storage, card payment storage business um, that had a bit of an issue in Ireland. The authorities sort of wanted to to see whether it was being used as uh, money laundering. Um, They've uh, given guidance on a reduction in, um, uh, reduced their guidance on profits, on revenue as well. Um, Carl, is uh, to answer Trevor's question is this a turnaround story? It is so messy. Uh, if you're if uh, you're a vulture it's... and have a party or portfolio that's a vulture fund, I don't know if you guys have that. Is it worth taking a no. punt?
1: No, we're trend followers. Well, I'm a trend follower. You know, clients are all, all different stripes. And um, David mentioned before about CSL that uh, he'd like to buy it a bit lower. So you know, it's different styles, and that's what that what make, that's what makes a market ultimately, isn't it? Um, I don't like to buy things lower unless I'm seeing strong signs that demand is coming in. I'm not seeing that, so the problem is you've got this old dead cat bounce. And if you if you're an investor and you haven't heard that term, it's important it's important one to learn. And the old saying is, Koshi, when you drop a dead cat from a a great height, how far does it, how high does it bounce? And the answer is not very high, and that's what's happened here. So. Um, obviously profit downgrade wasn't a huge downgrade and they, I think they did really well in explaining the reasons around the downgrade and then they were pretty positive about the outlook going forward. I, th- I think what hurt them was that downgrade came on a really bad day in the broader market anyway yes. so that was the day the NASDAQ tanked and the, uh, the whole market tanked anyway and and then you could say okay well then it, it should bounce really strongly from there but it hasn't and that worries me so um, maybe we've got a bit of a handle on on some of these falls in the US and what's happening in China. Uh, you know the the broader market themes that are causing investors to be nervous but yet we haven't seen any recovery here so that concerns me. Um, much like I said last time I was on I said great business a very interesting mm. um, reasonably priced just can't buy it on the chart in fact I said I talked about this bouncing ball pattern and how it looked like you know the bouncing ball on the on the final bounce it misses the table. Uh, so yeah. a ball bouncing on a table, misses the table edge, and then whoosh, down it goes real fast. And funnily enough, that's exactly what happened. So I'm going to go ditto on my last um, comments, which were, I'm just checking my notes, in the middle of February. I'm going to say that there is a great business out th- uh, in there. Uh, I think it is turning the corner. I think there are, I think it could surprise to the upside down the track. And having said all those wonderful things about it, I can't tell my clients to buy it because the chart looks awful. Now, okay. when that demand comes back, get back in, it starts to do the right things. Stay tuned. I don't know, follow me on Twitter, get to the Thick Markets website, I'll be telling clients to buy it. Until then, stay out. Okay. David?
2: Yeah, um, I think that the question the question of uh, have read our research report because our analyst actually said that the the result was always going to be messy and it just got messier. Uh, and certainly that was the case. Um, the view on the company long term is positive and that we have an expectation that they are actually able to turn around the business and that that 20, uh, 2023 will be a better year for them. Um, but as Carl said, it, at times like this, when you see the share price down, it does often take a long time to turn around. Uh, so if you are brave enough to be buying at current levels, um, put them in the bottom drawer and look at them in, in six, six to 12 months. Having said that, we still do have a buy recommendation on the stock. Our target price is four dollars and three. So if you are brave wow. enough and
1: wow, willing to, have that, so <laughs> that, there,
2: uh, yeah. that high risk, uh, like, like, um, yeah. So th-
0: this would be uh, uh, a speculative buy, basically. Yes. Yeah. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Now, having said that, our our analyst is currently reviewing the recommendation and the and the uh, target price. So um that may well change but certainly at this point in time the, the expectation is that the the longer term outlook for the company is is good um but right. it's likely to be a, a tough you know three to six months for shareholders uh, in the stock
0: right okay all right now uh, david gavin wants a view on tpg telecom the uh telecommunications company what is, would it be number three in the market? Was it when they did the the Vodafone Hutchison uh, sort of merger merger yeah. together? Yeah. And um, uh, the the driver of that sort of then loss, David Teo, David Tio left the company, didn't he? And and That's went to right. Chuas, yeah. uh, Chua, which is listed on the market as well, concentrating on Singapore. Yes
2: yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting business um you know one of the the recent changes has been that uh the a triple c has allowed a uh, a restructuring of the company and and able to now offer uh fiber to the basement so they'll be uh providing a lot of infrastructure into apartment buildings so right. there's a, a a lot of potential upside um to the business from that point of view they've still got their traditional mobile business which uh is you know still has a, a significant market share so uh, it's a good business we've got a buy recommendation on it um, they're profitable trading on a P/E ratio of about 35 times which is, is high for a, a um, Telco uh, certainly when you're comparing it to Telstra but we think that TPG probably has a little bit more uh, growth in the near term. Uh, and trading on a, a dividend yield of four and a half percent, fully frank. So it's a it's a reasonable stock for okay. an income producer uh, with some upside.
0: OK, so it's your preferred telco stock uh, uh, more than yeah, Telstra. Yeah, we still
2: do have a buy on Telstra as well, but probably for a, um, a different risk profile uh, and, and different growth prospect.
0: OK, uh, Carl, TPG?
2: I was just uh, checking the chart of Telstra
1: and Tuis as you were talking uh, there, David. I'm probably going to lean towards Telstra if I had to pick between the three. Uh, but TPG, no, I'm, I'm pretty close to what David said about um, you know an improving business, a business that uh, has more growth in it than Telstra, but also is, is, let's face it, trading at a higher price as well. So when you balance those two out, it's probably about fair value for us. Uh, the chart is a little bit 50-50, and that's where I, my analysis probably uh, stops. So again, you know, when, when I'm looking through, um, I run a, a scan each day, obviously, um, and, and programmed into that scan, is try to find charts which are in a nice trends. And and what that allows me to do is go from, you know, two and a half thousand Australian stocks down to a list of maybe 20, 30, 40, depending on the day, which then I can pay closer attention to. So it's not like this one's coming up on the list. It's probably not going to come up anytime soon. So it doesn't require a lot of extra attention. And that can save you a lot of time as an investor when you think about it. So finding stocks that the market likes and then drilling down into why the market likes them and deciding whether you like them as well. I'm going to pass on TBG. Okay. All right.
0: Let's just recap the first uh, five stocks and our stock of the day. Fortescue is a hold from both Carl and David. Sightminder, um, Ords have a buy on Sightminder. They, um, they organized a float last year to, to declare all of the conflicts. Um, not for Carl at the moment. Good company, though, and uh, watching it, but not buying at these levels. Uh, CSL, an accumulate from uh, from David and odds, um, a hold from Carl. If CSL share price got back up to $280, then Carl would start to be interested in it because it's showing a good trend if it breaks up through $280. Uh, Midway, a hold from David, a sell from Carl. Uh, EML, a no from Carl. Um, good, solid business, but just has... Got a horrible chart uh, and some terrible announcements in the last week or so. Um, David has it as a speculative buy, a highly speculative buy. Uh, and TPG, a yes from David, a no from Carl. Um, here at the call, we've been following our own uh, high conviction fantasy portfolio as picked by our investment committee. Any stocks that get uh, two yeses here on the call, get referred to the investment committee to see if it should be put in the portfolio. If a stock already in the portfolio gets two no's from the expert panel, then it's up for review on whether it should come out of the portfolio or not. The latest episode of the uh, committee meeting is live for you to watch at ozbiz.com, And a new one is coming up in the next couple of days, probably Monday. Let's take a look at uh, what's in the portfolio at the moment. Uh, the last committee meeting, which was almost a month ago, added JB Hi-Fi, ProMedicus, Linus, and Incitec Pivot uh, joining the original stocks and 20% in cash so far. Uh, since the 1st of March, uh, the fund is up 2% on a cumulative return basis since its inception. So keep sending in your requests from the call uh, and we'll keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee we'll be looking at next. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. We're going to be taking a look at AMP, IGO, Amcor, Lark, and also the RAM REIT. Um, first up, uh, Will wants a view on uh, <laughs> AMP. Uh, interested in the experts' thoughts, Looking uh, AMP looking to buy Westpac's <laughs> platform unit? Well, AMP has been pretty active in the market the last couple of days. It's... Sold a whole bunch of properties to uh, Digital Bridge Group in the United, or or to Dexas rather, and has sold its private markets business uh, to the U.S.-based Digital Bridge Group for almost seven hundred million dollars. Carl, they've raised uh, these sales are worth about two billion dollars just this week. So Mm -hmm. AMP is certainly trimming things down. Um, (laughs) What 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 do you think of the stock at the moment? and where it's going to go in the future.
1: Yeah, it's a classic. um, Some of the parts is worth more than the whole strategy, isn't it? So look, A&P have been on this path now for just over a year, really, to simplify the business, get rid of the stuff that maybe hasn't been going so well for them or (laughs) uh, look uh, expertise. I don't know. I mean, but look, the end of the end of the end goal is to have a banking unit and an Australian wealth unit. So that uh, A&P Capital, which has been renamed to Columate, if I'm not mistaken, is the bit that's been on the block. So they've just sold it off Mm. bit by bit by bit by bit. And as you say, um, originally the plan was to float it, which was interesting. And then somewhere between the the last update in March and now they've just gone, no, we're just going to just sell it off. Um, So as you say, $2 billion uh, yeah, it could be up to 2.5, depending if they, if they um, meet all their sort of earnout clauses. Now the market cap of the stock before today was probably about 3.5. So you're kind of saying, well, we're valuing the bank and the Australian wealth management businesses at a at, you know, billion, a billion dollars effectively. So this is where you get these moves like today, where once we start to get these pieces of the puzzle, the certainty as to what they're selling these bits off for and how much cash is going to be there, people start doing the maths on, well, what do I value the, the bits that are going to be left over? And they're kind of saying, well, I, I think those bits are looking a little bit cheap. Um, so that's why we've seen the, the rally today. Uh, interesting that uh, and then I, I get that bit and this is why there's going to be volatility because I get that bit but then I look at the bits that are going to be left over and I say they're pretty unattractive uh, in my opinion right. and I think there's better stuff of those items out there in the market so um, it's a conundrum. Short term, maybe there's a trading opportunity because the chart is turning up. I, funnily enough, it's been coming up on my scans um, for the last couple of weeks, and I've ignored it, Koshi, because it's AMP. So I do put some discretion into those scans because I go, oh, AMP? is coming up as a trend change. And I go, no, ignore AMP, right? I mean, right. At least meant mentally uh, scarred uh, by the AMP experience. Uh, so, <laughs> And then I kind of can't ignore it today. So I'm going to go, if you've got it, absolutely hang on to it. Right. And... Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to say this on uh, live national TV. It's a speculative buy on the chart. Forget Whoa. everything else. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I've got to regret this, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I love it. Yep. A, a spec buy on a and
0: the chart, yep. Okay. But uh, don't blame the charts, don't you? Um, <laughs> um but, David, does Carl have a point, though? We put our Vulture hat back on. Uh, we talked with EML, the charts not turning around. Is AMP starting to turn around from a business and on the charts? And everyone's talking about interest rates on the rise, financials are going to be a beneficiary, bank, banks are going to be beneficiaries, insurance companies. You know, you talk about ugly ducklings, QBE and yep. um, IAG. Um, is this one a financial that's been left behind, and it's starting to get its act together?
2: Starting to, yes, I, I think that's true. Um, the yeah, whether or not it is at the point where it's it will turn around, I, I think it, it probably still needs a bit more time. Um, you know, AMP has been a, a business in disarray for the last few years. We're now starting to get some. Um, yeah, you know, some formality around what the future is for AMP. Our sum of the parts valuation is a dollar twenty-four, so they're not trading at a significant discount to that at the moment. Uh, the announcements in the last few days mean that um, shareholders will actually receive some fairly significant capital returns. So it's not finalised as to what exactly that capital return might be, but uh, the the management have said that they will return that to shareholders uh, by a combination of capital returns and on market share buybacks. So I think in terms of the question, it's very unlikely that AMP after having um, some bad acquisitions and and poor number of years, um, I think it's very unlikely that they'll then go and buy BT's Panorama. Um, business because it, it in itself has had enough issues as well. Uh, I think AMP will be a, a much smaller company and focus on the, their banking and wealth management um, division. And as Carl said, it's not the best in that sector. There are uh, certainly better wealth management businesses around. So it's not one that I can get too excited about. We've got a hold recommendation on it um i think that there are a uh, better uh, better places to put your money than amp at the moment
0: okay all right um carl ben wants a view on igo the uh, basically producers um which is pretty fashionable at the moment um uh, raw materials and a whole bunch of raw materials basically for the electric uh, electric vehicle market um like a lot of uh metal stocks um and mining stocks has had a pretty horrible week was what, down 6% on Tuesday uh but the broker reports around I I see are still pretty positive what's your view on yeah. IGO <laughs> you you follow this
1: one regularly and closely don't you I- I, very very regularly, very closely, I've been on Osby's uh, many many times over the yeah. last sort of 18 months. Uh, this is one of my key buys that I've been uh, telling, you know, your viewers to buy, and uh, hopefully they have because they would have done very very well out of it. Uh, we had a price target of uh, 14.60, and it's it hit that a few days ago. So when it kind of does that, and we start to see some of those black candles appear, we we tend to say, look, manage manage a bit of an exit here, so we we take profits. But I think that's the that's kind of the the way we're gonna trade this one, we're gonna, um, when it gets really hot and everybody's just frothing over it. So the, when it, it hit 1526 on that just euphoria hysteria yeah. over lithium back at the start of April, which we basically told clients, look, sell sell into that. And this was sort of in the basket. So um, having said that, it, there's this this wonderful underlying uh, business there, which I think is, is so uh, well-placed and strategically placed for the next, you know, five to 10 years of what we're gonna see is this this revolution, um, you know, in the, in the electric uh, uh, battery, but, you know, electric vehicle yep. uh, area. So uh, I would say, you know, long-term hold, and, and uh, but we do a bit, little bit of short-term trading around that. So we sell a bit, keep a core position, try and buy it back a bit cheaper. I, I think that's kind of where it is now though. It's kind of at that buy it back a bit cheaper. So it's, you know, sort of uh, 12%, 14% off uh, our, our fair value target again. And that fair value target will change as, as, as we, you know, sort of analyse, um, you know, the, the underlying uh, fundamentals for the company. So I'm going to stick with. I'm going to re- re- reiterate a buy on this one. Uh, both in terms of um, if you have uh, don't, don't have it and if you've, you've you've got it, maybe sold a bit at those highs and looking to buy a little bit back. Um, Koshi, can I just qualify my remarks on AMP? Because I feel maybe I've surprised a few people with that. So I think it's more of a of an arbitrage play. I think it's more the market. I don't think the business at the end of it is going to be that attractive. But I think right now, the market is trying to find what the fair value of all this, um, these capital uh, distributions are going to be. So I okay. think that's where it's at. So it's more of a shorter term trader who can watch that chart. I don't think it's... It's a sure. long-term portfolio buy. Okay,
0: so a trade, uh, speculative trading buy, if you like.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, um, David, what do you think of IGO? Yeah, we've actually got a light on it. It's obviously performed exceptionally well, uh, as as Carl said, and his uh, his customers will obviously be very happy with that call. But think that it's probably a little bit overvalued at, at current levels. Uh, not our preferred pick in terms of the the. Lithium EV market, we tend to prefer all chem in that space. Um, it's also important to note that IGO is currently going through a scheme of arrangement or takeover of Western areas. Uh, yep. So that, that scheme offer has just been increased and the Western areas board of have, um, have agreed to or uh, recommend acceptance of that. So there will be some integration. It does mm. expand there their nickel presence. Um, But over the next uh, 12 months or so, there'll be some um, integration of that business as well, but probably a light and take some profits at at current levels. Okay.
0: Um, Carl, Jimmy wants a view on Amcor, the the giant packaging business operations throughout Australia, uh, North America, Latin America, Europe and Asia. It is massive. It's sort of packaging in food and beverage, healthcare, um, home care items, tobacco industry um uh, jimmy says over the much longer term it looks bottom left top right Carl, <laughs> so he's speaking Ooh. your lingo uh yeah, I but like it that. Se- seems to be suffering of late what's going uh, on and and jimmy you know, brings up a good point yep. sort of it, it depends over what period you look at on a yep. chart isn't it
1: yeah no he's not you know jimmy's nailed that and uh, as he was saying that i I normally look at my daily chart and I've got to go back about 18 months Um, so you get a feel of that sort of shorter shorter term trend but it depends on what type of investor you are so you know I mean I'm sort of more I would say not short term but sort of medium term so looking for you know anything from sort of six weeks to six months is our typical hitting zone so that daily chart looking about looking back, 18 months really suits. But hey, if you're a longer term investor and you've got a view of years, then the daily chart is not the right chart. So I know we're doing sort of technical analysis 101 here. So just click on the little W on your chart package there and that takes you to the weekly chart when you zoom that just zooms you out automatically but all the same uh, you're looking for all the same things. so you're looking for white candles not black candles you're looking for high peaks high troughs you're looking for those moving averages giving you that you know that underlying um, bottom left top right trend and when i did that i actually see uh, what jimmy's looking at and i kind of get it now i was about to say amcor's too boring for me and the trend is too mm-hmm. flat hey i still think is really boring But the trend is flat on the daily chart. On the weekly chart, the trend is actually very solid. So um, I'm going to look, I don't think it's exciting enough to call it a buy, but I will call it a solid hold. So thanks, Mm -hmm. Jimmy, for uh, enlightening me to that longer term trend on AMCOR.
0: Gone you, Jimmy.
2: Uh, David, what do you (laughs) think of AMCOR? Nothing wrong with boring, boring's good. (laughs) Uh, That's one of the reasons we like it. (laughs) Yeah, Amcor. It's a it's a global business. It uh, is, um, you know, it, it, it's leveraged to the consumer, um, and the consumer is very very strong around the world. Uh, there's a, a lot of spending going on. Um, it continually generates a, a strong cash flow, pays out a, de- a reasonable dividend of 4.4%. So, uh, for a a long-term portfolio. We think it's a it's a good stock. Uh, currently have an accumulate recommendation on it. Certainly had a very, very good month. Uh, so probably be waiting for a little bit of okay. uh, weakness in the share price to, to add that to the portfolio. Right, you reckon it's not boring, David. Look at that five-year chart.
0: That's a 7% That's <laughs> return. It's up 7% yeah. over
2: five years. <laughs> That's boring. Exactly, yeah, if you're a, a long-term investor with a super fund, it's a great Great portfolio stock for it. Okay. Yeah. What's the
1: yield? Sorry. What's the yield, David? Maybe you've got it closer than I do. Yeah. 4.4%. Um, or... Okay. Well, that's, you know, that makes yeah. sense. So if you've got capital, capital stability and a yield, it's going to suit that sort of investor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Quinn, Quinn wants a view, um, David, on Lark, the, uh, the big uh, whiskey producer, craft distillery based in uh, Tasmania. Uh, Quinn says things have been quiet from Lark since the chief executive scandal. Um, a lot of people mm. might remember that chief executive was um, caught uh, with some, in a video with some substances that he said he was being blackmailed on, which turned out not to be quite right. Um, uh, Quinn says, David, is this still a quality enough business to buy or are they not as trustworthy as we once thought?
2: No, we, we think it is a, a good quality business. The uh, the underlying brands are, are very, very solid. Uh, they've done well through the pandemic, but then now um, they will get increased sales from their on-premise sales. Uh, they're, they've they got uh, very, very good um, inventory. And mm. as you would know over time, that inventory actually improves in, in value as it's, um, as it's uh, bottled for a longer period of time, so you now we actually think that that lark's a very good business. Uh, I've got a buy recommendation on that at the moment. Our target price is actually 6.45, so uh, indicates a, a significant upside of about 84% on that. Um, yeah. Bearing in mind that the share price has been under pressure, uh, as you said from the the CEO. Um, resigning and and taking care of his personal matter uh but they are undertaking a, a global search for a new ceo and currently have a very experienced um uh executive laura mcbain in place as their interim md so we think that uh it, it is a good business and that will continue to to produce some strong mm. earnings
0: yeah and almost doubling in price carl what do you think of lark mm. uh,
2: i think it, it's
1: a very good business as well i can't really add much to what um uh, david said i think he's given you a really good summary of where they are at uh, our price target isn't quite as high we're at four dollars fifty but still mm-hmm. you know 26 27 yeah. upside from here so we, we i guess we're unanimous both david and i in saying that the stock does look uh, un- undervalued here uh, and maybe it's more to do with this uh, as you say some of the recent events that have cast a bit of a shadow over the, uh, the share price. Now, looking at the chart it's very interesting because after that event, obviously you, you had the big drop, then you had all of these black candles. So just black, 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 all in a row, which kind of tells me maybe some of the, I don't know, ESG funds. Uh, look, well, ESG funds probably aren't in this anyway. I'm trying to find sort of justifications for the way it behaved. But the good news is um, it, it kind of got it all, all out of its system sort of early March. And since then, it's sort of just been building back up um I, I can't say i've got enough confidence to call it a buy but i'm going to go with a hold on the basis that the chart just appears to be just finding some some uh, a, a, you know sort of some some uh, what's what's the right word some firm ground firmer firmer right. footing
0: yep. and
1: obviously it looks cheap so i'm going to go with a hold on this one
0: okay and um i suppose who, uh, the chief executive announcement is on the new chief executive will be an important milestone Uh, Yeah, I think so, yeah. For the market. Yep, absolutely. All right. Our final stock, Carl, from uh, Paul, is the Ram Essential Services Property Fund. Uh, It's a REIT mainly in uh, retail and and, uh, medical and essential retail um, assets. It's got a a Mm. whale of seven years occupancy of 99%.
1: Are we what was, amcor was boring I think this is taking boring to a new level uh, it's not you no know, it's all those really sort of defensive as a healthcare and essential uh, retail uh, assets in, in a REIT uh, so you're kind of wrapping boring inside boring uh, it's not exactly what uh, think markets clients or at least the clients I speak to are kind of we, we want growth uh, at a reasonable price with a nice chart so growth reasonable price nice chart so I have you know looking at that yeah, past. For me, yep. sorry, uh, David. You're into boring. Does this
2: fit? <laughs> I am. I was going to reiterate my previous comments that boring is good. <laughs> um, yeah, and and this uh, property trust, uh, Ram Essential Services, is is a very good property trust. Uh, they're currently trading at about ninety five cents. Their NTA is one oh one, so they're trading at a slight discount to that. Dividend yield of six and a half percent, or distribution yield six and a half percent. Uh, as you said, they've got 99% occupancy. Those occupants, uh, the likes of Coles, West Farmers, Woolworths and uh, and major healthcare groups as well. So uh, very good client base. Um, and yeah, it's a stock that it won't be too volatile in these current volatile periods. It'll continue to pay a, a good income on it. And it's exposed to about fifty percent medical and fifty percent uh, essential retail, so your uh, your grocery stores, etc. So uh, yes, it's a good, again, good long-term portfolio stock that will uh, cause no trouble and give you a good income. Okay, at these levels, so we we said, at these levels, yeah, we've got a yep. buy recommendation on it okay. uh, with a medium risk. So so do we
0: bring in a boring buy? Is there such thing as a boring buy? <laughs> yeah. We've got New special buys and yeah. everything. Okay. All right, let's just recap the, uh, uh, the uh, final five stocks. AMP, um, a hold from David. Carl has surprised himself uh, and has put a buy on this, but there's a proviso. This is a, a speculative buy, but for traders. Um, if you're a long-term investor, probably not for you because it's a bit too uncertain at the moment. But if you're a trader, the chart starts to, to look a bit better. Uh, IGO, a um, a yes, for, um, even at these levels um, from, uh, uh, from Carl. If you've ridden it up from $7 uh, over the last year, it's basically doubled in value. Uh, Carl's been a big supporter of this stock for a long time. You know, maybe look, uh, taking some profits because uh, you've had a really good run, uh, and hold the rest um, for David and Ords, It's uh, take some profits and sell at these levels. Amcor is a uh, is a hold from Carl, um, and it's a boring accumulate from David. Uh, Lark is a hold from from Carl and a buy from David, and uh, Ram is a um, the reit Ram property. A no from Carl and a boring buy from David. Uh, gents, great to have you aboard. It's been great fun, really informative. David Lane from Audmitted in Brisbane. Appreciate your time. Cole Kappalinga from thick Markets in, in the West. Always great to have you on. Thank you, gents. Thanks, Goshi. Show,
1: the show was anything but boring.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly right. Exactly. Uh, it is never boring here. Um, so there you go. That's our, our show for today, The Call. Um, if you have uh, any stocks that you want us to cover in the future, um, just flick them in an email to us, uh, thecall at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at AusBiz TV handle. Uh, see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs>